You're listening to Ink Studs, and I'm recording at CXC in Columbus, and uh, this is kind of an ad hoc interview. Uh, I ran into Seth on the floor and was bugging him yesterday, um, or a couple days ago, about possibly doing an interview this weekend, and he said, how about now? And so here we are in a white room with a glass wall where people could watch us, um, and then Noah Van Skyver on the floor... Yep, peered out of nowhere, and so Noah's come to join us. Yep, and uh, I glommed onto your. <laughs> I am always happy to have Noah with me. Uh, Noah, one of the exciting things I was mentioning a second ago before I started recording is uh, we're out, and you were talking to Charles Burns, and you had a million great questions for him, yeah. and it was like coming from somewhere where you have such a deep knowledge. It's and a fan. I'm a fanboy. That's all it is. No, you're not a fanboy. I've seen a lot of fanboys. I'm a fanboy myself sometimes. Yeah. Um, but there's, coming fr- as a cartoonist, um, your perspective is completely different than, than say, a fanboy, where you kind of want to get yeah. into that nuance of, like, you know, you got to yeah, share it's funny. You're mentality. Like, I sense when you're talking about things, it's interesting. You kind of have that um, interest in the period we came up in that I yeah. might have had in a period 20 years earlier or even further back. It's yeah, like, for sure. It's like there, you've... Um, you got a bit of the flavor of the, um, of uh, like, uh, it's like you're looking for the quality of those times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, whereas like I think a lot of people um, like the fanboy stuff is just a bit more about like uh, minutia and stuff. But, right. But there is something very appealing about like a period where you look back on people like where you're interested in it, and you're actually interested in the period that where they were, where it was the real time. Yeah. When you were actually alive then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in, like, cartoonists that were focused on storytelling above everything else. Yeah. Because I can take a comic that's not that well drawn, but it has a really good story over Absolutely. something that's, like, yeah. the most beautiful thing. With all these, look, at screen-printed cover and all that stuff, yeah. and then it really says nothing. It, it has very little value to me. Yeah, I know. That, well, the interesting thing about that period back in the 80s, is essentially, that's what it was about, was the right. idea that finally here's a chance to use the medium to tell a story. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny, you know, like that whole history of uh, fandom before, like, the 80s, even including the underground, uh, as much as I love the underground, was really, like, it was, um, they never were as convinced as... Um, they never really said, like, I want to tell a story. Right. They yeah. were con- connected to genre, or in the underground, yeah. they were connected to shock. They wanted to shock people. I mean, Crumb, Crumb certainly I made some, some, some moves towards story very strongly in the 70s, mm-hmm. uh, in the 80s more so. Yeah. I'd but, say Kim yeah. Deitch was less of the shock and awe. Yeah, he was, but focused. his work was so eccentric that in a weird way, it was like it was hard to recognize in the 70s that <laughs> he was working towards story. Yeah. Later, by the 80s, it's like, oh, yeah, he's got a huge universe he's working in. Right. In the 70s, those stories about eccentrics that he were writing didn't feel like a part of a big narrative in the same in the same way that Spain would write like an eight-page story about something, and it felt interesting, but you didn't realize that it was like the narrative focus wasn't as strong then. They yeah. were still working their way through a lot of like changes. It was the eighties was the first period when people said like I'm going to try and tell a long story. Yeah, but you came to your work through genre work. I mean, oh yeah, Mister X was your first published yep. work. Yep, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was that the kind of stuff you were reading back then? Like at that time, I mean, how long did it take for you to finally yeah. get into yeah collecting like scouring thrift stores for like old. I was already wet. I was already beyond Mr. X when I was working on it. But, oh, really? But I love the Hernandez brothers, and yeah. I love what they did on Mr. X. But even when I started on Mr. X, I thought of it as a compromise because I knew the stories were bad. Mm-hmm. And oh. but I wanted to, and I was, but I was not very good either. My drawing was very um, crude still, mm-hmm. and um, I saw it as a real opportunity to uh, get into comics. I mean, it seems funny now. Now you wouldn't think like I need a. Well, boy, this is a golden doorway into comics. So you don't need any help getting into comics. It's like yeah. it costs all it costs is to Xerox something. Right. Yeah. But at that point, I thought like this was a big deal to to work on this comic, and I was embarrassed by it in a way. Not at first. At first, I was proud to be on Mister X. I was excited. Oh mm-hmm. boy, I'm part of the big world of publishing. Yeah. But within a few issues, I knew like I'm not doing the work that I want to do. I was good friends with Chester already by then, and Chester was already doing great work. I knew that I was like you know biding time till I started my work but I hadn't done any real work yet so you don't right. even know if you've got any good you're work you're just building your chops up or something yeah. Basically. yeah I was like literally thinking maybe I could do two comic books maybe I'll work on yeah. this one and then I'll start my own comic book 
But I don't think I got an issue of Mr. X out any more than once every six or eight months. So but Mr. X had like a house style, didn't it? Kind of. They wanted me to draw yeah, like Kanye, but was, I couldn't do it. Dean Mutter was the writer, right? He, he was, was the writer. He oh, could okay. draw, though. He although, also, yeah. He was a big uh, record cover designer in Canada. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he was a comic artist, although not very prolific. He did a little mm. bit of strips here and there. He could draw, and he went on. I think he went on to DC after and did like The Prisoner or something. I think he actually yeah. drew that. I can't remember. I think he did, yeah. yeah. Written with Mark Asquith. Yeah. yeah. And are you uh, as embarrassed of your work in Mr. X as like Chris Ware's of his, whatever no, that thing was called? not as much. Floyd Farland? Yeah. yeah, Floyd Farland. Not as much because it's terrible work, but I mean, like, I was 20 It's actually not old, that bad, so. i got to tell you. Oh, no, I don't mean the Floyd Farland. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, your, your work oh, no. is... Actually, nothing. Chris's work is, that's a very Yeah, that's a good book. one, too. I He's agree. like 19 years old yeah. or something. That's a very good book. I'd be proud of that book. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm not proud. I mean, the Mr. X stuff, it's its mediocre stuff. I was right. learning to draw, and it's like, I look back at it, and I say, I'll see a page, and I'll say, like, well, that's not bad. You yeah. know, I'm learning to draw architecture you, or whatever. But, I mean, you, you're yeah. not in danger of people finding that, really, because you have to scour the... You know, oh, yeah, you'd have just to, to find it. You'd oh. really have to work hard to, like... Nobody cares about yeah. stuff anymore. I found nobody one on accident, yeah. and I was like, oh, is this an SS working it? And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, it does. Yeah. It is. That's how I found it. Yeah. Like, you, you know, it's almost accidental. You can't really... Yeah, nobody. That's the interesting thing now. It's like I think everything's so ubiquitous that you, nobody even bothers to make an effort about anything. Yeah, yeah. It's like who would waste their time? Yeah. So that's kind of good. And the old, you know, the funny thing is, is when I worked on Good Life and I made up the the, the New Yorker thing, it's like a few people went to the effort to like go down to the oh. library and open up my microfilm and look at old um, New yeah. Yorkers. Now it's like you could probably just look that up on the internet in five seconds and they still wouldn't bother. You had me fooled. I, remember, I thought that was a real artist. A lot. Well, that was good. I'm glad you I did right. not. Yeah. I didn't see it until I remember reading the in the letters pages of Plukaville. Be like, you know, that artist looks a lot like you, or like whatever, you know, like the drawings look a lot yeah. like your style. And, and I was just thinking, yeah. like, oh yeah, I guess you know. I think in the first <laughs> century I did with you. I thought it was a real person. I always liked the people read the book. I wasn't trying to fool anyone, but I always liked the people read the book at first and thought it was real, yeah. and then later found out it wasn't real. Yeah. And um, and then later. I think usually people don't care once they find yeah, out. Yeah, it wasn't a big... At first, they're like, oh, that's disappointing. But then sometimes they're like, oh, actually, it's kind of more interesting that it's fake. Yeah. I mean, the whole yeah. story was fake, and it's, I mean, it's all yeah, like... Yeah, it's all It's fake. one of those cases where it's like, yeah. nothing's real, but it's all true, or yeah. nothing's true, yeah. but it's all real. Yeah. Or whatever, you know? yeah, actually, most of the stuff with me in there is based on real experience. Really? Was that... Yeah. you really have a brother? That... Yeah, that's my brother. Really? And I, I went to that small town, I met that crazy girl. And really? I love it. It's just, I mean, I'm sure people have said this to you before, but like for years, but like... It's just you turn the page and suddenly you've slept with this girl or whatever. It's yeah, like the ab- yeah. afterwards. <laughs> In fact, I even used that. I just did like a sequel to the this book I did, Fonte Bukowski, where like I did that where he meets this prostitute and he gives her a cigarette and the next page is they've just had sex. And it's just like totally <laughs> um, stolen from your Well, from I just book. wanted, I was so tired of all those comics where guys are struggling about yeah. having sex with <laughs> yeah. girls. I was it's like, just, let's just cut to the chase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right, guys. Yeah, I'll show you how it's done. No, I was, that was the era, too, when every, all the comics were, but uh, nobody would sleep with you. So I was yeah. like, let's just not be You had to stop hanging out with Joe. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, actually, it was pretty common that that was the narrative <laughs> of all autobiographical comics, is how difficult it was to meet a girl. And right, like, yeah. It's, it's not that difficult to meet a girl. I mean, except <laughs> maybe if you're in comics. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, but you were kind of yeah. like, a, you were considered like a cool cartoonist back then at that time anyway. Like you probably could have... A little bit, not too much. I don't think yeah. I had too much profile back then, but I was still like very much coming out of the world of like uh, nightclubs and punk rock and stuff like that. And that was a world where you spent more time interacting with girls than like in the, you know, the basement of Comic-Con. So, yeah. so I never, I mean, like anybody, it's like your, your early years are fraught with all the drama of meeting girls and stuff like that but I always felt like that that was a good thing that I avoided like going directly from being like a teenage comic nerd to like a, a comic nerd in my 20s I got yeah. to have a break in between the two I met my girlfriend yeah. while being a DJ at a goth club yeah see that <laughs> really <cool. laughs> yes. no. I'll never yeah. tell you my DJ name do you still listen <laughs> to any of that like the because you were kind of yeah. part of the industrial music scene, yeah no right? I don't I don't but my wife likes that sort of stuff oh, okay. and we'll get in the car and I mean I could listen to like Bauhaus or something or I sure. could listen to New Order but I can't listen to like you know what is that band she likes uh Rumstad or something uh, like that? Ramstein? Yeah, yeah, oh, whatever it is, yeah. Oh, 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 it's like, I can't hear that. That's like too 
painful for my old timey sensibility. Would she know better than to like have that stuff playing a little bit too loud upstairs while you're working downstairs? Yeah, we are, we are far apart, so it's okay. She can play whatever she wants on the third okay, floor, and, and I'm down hear... in the basement. I don't hear it. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, and she's. I think she's a little disappointed occasionally that I can't listen to that stuff, but yeah. she's been pretty forgiving. I think it's interesting in that movie where it's just like, you're like, I just want to keep things like, like basically no drama, just keep things at the same so that I can just focus on my work yeah, and not have all of a sudden like, you know, uh, you know, like the car got wrecked or whatever. And now I got to go take care of that. Like you just yeah. want just like level. Oh yeah. And then just focus on your work. Cause more I, I feel more. the same way. I'm like, more and more. Yeah. Like every time I get sick, I'm, I'm furious that I'm sick because then I have to take a break. From whatever I'm yeah. working on, you know. No, I like I, I like a life that's lukewarm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. That's like when I was young, I remember reading some quote about like you know like that like a lukewarm life was a bad thing, and I remember thinking like yeah, I guess that's true. I really yeah. should like want more peaks and valleys in my life. Well, yeah, it's like uh, you've seen my dinner with Andre. I have, but you know, I watched it too late. By the time oh, I okay. saw it, mm-hmm. it was like I didn't enjoy it. But there's that yeah. scene at the end where you know uh, Andre is uh, basically talking about like how he's really into like. He's really adventurous, you know. Yeah. And then uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, the actor, the other guy. Oh, you mean the uh, Wallace Shawn? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he's just like you know, I I like my routine basically. Mm-hmm. Like I like having my cup of coffee and it's like the same temperature yeah. every day. And there's yeah. no flies in it or anything. You know, I like to like <laughs> yeah. have dinner with my wife and read yeah. a book and go to bed. That's what I yeah. want, you know. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. And no, I'm, no, there isn't. I totally yeah. agree with that. Like, I yeah, I'm not. You know, I went to Angoulême this year and I was there for two weeks doing like a tour yeah. in Europe, and I just wanted to go home so bad. No, I understand. Believe I'm like, me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be. And everybody else yeah. is like. But that's such an adventure. Yeah. Wow. I don't want that. I don't care. Or European guys would be like saying to you, like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Do you not want to go out and like have a good time? Yeah. We have cheese and we have yeah, wine. We get blasted and then, yeah. you know, and I'm like, no, I think I'm just going to go back to the hotel and yes. read my book. I do like, that, yeah. But you are such a pussy. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so funny. It's like, uh, I, I remember years ago, Adrian uh, Tomine, uh, Chester Brown and the Chief and I went to, um, where was it? Finland. And we, like, these guys were dragging us around late at night. I mean, we were much younger, and I was still like, why well, just go back to the hotel? Yeah. And uh, these guys got so angry at us at some point because we wouldn't go into this loud nightclub. They were just like, they, they washed their hands of us. They yeah. said, like, I, I am finished with yes. you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Uncle M is like <laughs> yeah. that, where they're like, there's a great after party at this you know, nightclub, yeah. and you go, and it's like yeah. some medieval nightclub. It's really yeah. amazing, but it's packed. <laughs> With like twenty year olds, oh, I know, yeah. and the music's blasting. Yeah. Oh, you can't yeah. hear what anybody's saying to you. Yeah. What? Why is that a good idea to like yeah. have loud music where you're supposed to be socializing? I know. I've never understood that. I agreed with Crumb when in early interviews where he said like even when he was a young man he was saying the music's too loud. <laughs> and it's like even when I was in the nightclubs, I didn't mind that the music was loud in the nightclubs, but that's because I was looking for girls and stuff, yeah, and yeah. I was taking drugs and stuff. Yeah. But when I wanted to talk, I went outside. Yeah. That's Eventually. What Eventually, I spent, like when I was in those nightclub years, I spent almost all my time standing in front of the nightclub, talking yeah. to like my best friends. Right. You'd go in to dance periodically, but then yeah. it's like if you wanted to have a good time, you came out and you talked. It was too loud. Yeah. You know, I've never understood the loud music culture. Yeah, that's what everybody, I mean, after this event, like we said, like it's going to be, yeah. like the one last night, I was like exhausted, and then we're like packed into this club and I couldn't hear what anybody was saying to me yeah I know you're screaming I was talking to Carol Tyler last night and literally she was screaming in my ear and I was like I heard every third word and I'm like oh yeah that's that's yeah (laughs) yeah but you're like I don't know what you're talking about because it's so loud yeah Yeah. and I'm this I moved here uh to Columbus like maybe three months ago or something and uh you know I I I have an apartment and that's that is my Columbus. Like this yeah. is my world and then so people yeah. have been complaining to me that they haven't seen me or been able to hang out and stuff, but like I just wanna I have all my books that I love here. I have like the records that I love here, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like I like to go out for walks or whatever and I'm like not against people if they want to go get coffee with me or something, but like yeah. I, I probably wouldn't seek them out to do that, you know. But I think that's yeah. what makes a good cartoonist is like that desire to like just want to be alone. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I suspect you're a lot like me in that you seem like you're pretty much of an extrovert. Yeah, and yet, uh, your life is spent in introversion. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. there's a time for extroversion. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's funny. I really don't quite buy totally into the idea of introvert and extrovert because I'm a very outgoing person. I talk yeah, a lot. Sure. It's like, and uh, I have no problem like interacting with people, but I spend 99% of my time at home by myself. And right. 
and that's when I'm most comfortable. I'm yeah. not one of those people who's desperate to talk to other people. But it's funny that um, I think the traditional story of cartooning is is that people spend all that time alone because they weren't comfortable talking with other people. Mm. And I don't think that's true. Yeah. Actually, most of the people I've met in cartooning are pretty uh, uh, outgoing. I mean, right. I've never had any trouble talking to any of those famous you know, cartoonists. Crumb's very voluble. Yeah. Um, Dan Klaus is a very talkative guy. Uh, Chris Ware. You know, it's like everybody's, Chris nobody's in the, the corner shrinking. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. yeah, anytime I see Chris talk, it's like this amazing, smart, charismatic Yeah, he's guy. really, um, what's the word? Uh, I can't think of the word, where you can speak well. Yeah, <laughs> eloquent. eloquent. Eloquent, there you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the New Yorker gag right there. So <laughs> yeah. it. it is, yeah. Uh, so how often, like when you're, when you're, are you working on a book right now at home, like you have something you're working on? I'm always working on something. That's the way I you just, should be, I right? just finished Clyde Vance. It's done. So, oh wow! Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's actually done. So I'm, I'm actually I shouldn't say I just finished. I'm on the last couple of pages of it. Yeah, but it's like but you it's know, done. don't yeah. jinx yourself. It's no, no. It's going. In, it's in the can. Like as soon as I get back, it's done. It's not officially done because this last chapter will be published in the spring, and then I'm going to sit down and re-edit the whole book. I mean, there'll yeah. just be a few changes. It's not a big deal. I'm going to rework some of it. But, and then another book, the full book will come out like maybe a year after that or something. So yeah. it's officially done. How many years? 20 years. Wow. Man. Yeah. I was, I was pretty ashamed with... of that, and, but now I'm proud of it. No, I think that's great. <laughs> and it's interesting because I, I have the first volume that DNQ put out. And it's like you read that, and then I didn't realize that it continued in some issues of Palookaville that I don't have. Yeah. So I read the first volume. And then I went and got the, the you know, the Plukavilles are books. And I was yeah. like, wait a second, what's going on here? I feel like I yeah. missed a whole bunch of the... Yeah, I feel like everybody has not read, like, chapter three. Yeah, chapter yeah, yeah. three is the one chapter that's, like, was just in the in the floppy issues. Oh, okay. But you know the... what? I don't really have a sense that anybody knows what's going on in that. And I never expect anyone to. Yeah. I, w- I literally would be a f- uh, shocked if someone came up to me and started talking to me about the minutiae of what's happening in that story. I've been working on it for 20 years. Well, this, in little bits. This you you that to you? No, I know what's going on. <laughs> For sure. That's funny. Yeah. And so while you're like while you're working on something like that, are you thinking like, oh no, this is going to be done? I've, this has yeah. been like my thing I could lean on for twenty years. Yeah. Like I always got Clyde fans, and you're like, yeah. what's next? What's my next big? You don't no. stress out about that? Not at all, because I've got the next three books. It makes five books in my mind. It's like this. Really? Day, I've been working on this for twenty years. So even though I've been doing other books at the main same time, there's always like at least three books in the, like on the list of like and which will be next, kind of. You yeah. kind of like. I think I know which one's next, but there's and a point you, where you switch around. You go, oh, maybe I should do this one. I remember or we maybe talk, I should do that one. I think the last time we talked, you were talking yeah. about how, like, I mean, you're at a certain age, and you got to figure out what books are the important. Yeah, ones you've only got a few books left in you. Yeah, so, John yeah, Boyce talks about that a lot. Yeah, you got to make your choices. Like, I've got at least three science fiction books in my mind, oh, but no. I probably won't do any of them because. Those probably aren't the important books to do. I was going to ask you yeah. that because I yeah. was like, are you, was that like any influence? Like when, you know, because Klaus's last book was yeah. kind of genre. Where, like, does that influence you at all? Thinking like, maybe think, I could do something like that. No, I had the stories already, but what it really oh, sure made you me did. think. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. yeah, no. no. But <laughs> I no, thought of that yeah, first. But. Yeah. No, but literally I, I thought like, wow, this was such a great read. Yeah. And it was so like, you know, kind of a visceral like pour through it. I thought. Oh, I really should do a genre book. Yeah. Well, just that and, issue yeah. of the issue of Acme, the one oh, the great yeah, the oh, March, right. the yeah, blind. The, 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 yeah, that's such a great story by Chris. And that's uh, to digress. You know what Chris pulled off there is a miracle, in that right. he has a guy who writes a short a science fiction story, and it's supposed to be great, yeah. and it is. Yeah, it's like he produces <laughs> it. He, it doesn't, very he doesn't do like some. You know, like, here's some hints of what it was. Right. He produces the exact story, and the story is brilliant. You yeah. go, like, I, you yeah. know, you have to write, like, I'm going to, my character is a great writer. Yeah. And then you're supposed to give examples of how they're a yeah, good writer. Exactly. Like, how can I get around this because I'm not a great yeah. writer? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's the exact thing. It'd be like, where it, like, a writer, a poet would be the perfect example. Now i got to do the poems. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know it. Yeah, I just I just finished that that second Fonte Bukowski book has his poems in it. Yeah, and luckily he's a bad poet. <laughs> that was the only way around yeah. it. I was like I could never Even write writing bad poetry is hard. 
Yeah, for yeah, sure. At least I would think so. Yeah. 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 I just, for him, I always just try to make it somehow about him. So, like, even yeah. his poems feed his own ego. Yeah. And then that works. That just makes it funnier. He's just like, this guy is like, it's so self obsessed. Yeah. I think Dan would be a good poet because the poems he wrote for um, Random Wilder were good poems. Yeah. Do you remember that that's poem true. about the honeymooners? That's <laughs> yeah. a great poem. <laughs> that's got, I think that's yeah. my favorite Klaus book. It is. I Without a doubt. That's his best work. Genius. Yeah, yeah, that's genius. That's a very hard thing to pull off that I think a lot of readers wouldn't understand is like a multi-character book Oh yeah, is the hardest thing to do. And it's something yeah. you try and challenge yourself with. Yeah, you and know. I never do it because that's... Because it's so difficult. Yeah, but you know what? But I you're think, into like character. Like here's the you, character yeah. to study who this person is. But you realize as you get older, there's different... You write things because of who you are. Like, if you look at the Hernandez brothers, why did they write those big books full of hundreds of characters? They grew up in big families, and they think that way. I grew up, like, in a very isolated background, like, and I, when I think about writing a story, it's about one person, right. maybe two people. Yeah. I could never imagine writing a story, like, with ten interacting characters. Yeah. Uh, my characters just wouldn't talk to each and other And they all have much. to have their own... Storylines, yeah, exactly. You know, their own like things they intersect. want and they're struggling for, yeah. but somehow they connect because you can't yeah. just have like no. you're just character. They have to be related to each other somehow yeah. or have something. So to there's got to be other. some intersection point. But even even if I'm writing a story, my intersection points are very slim. Yeah, it's funny, and I mean, like you're getting old enough now where you must be looking at your work and starting to figure out what your yeah what your I've, your grid is, whatever your your formula that you're yeah, working I have, within. I have without five knowing five books. Yeah, and I I do think about that a lot. Like, what are my cliches? Like, what are yeah. what are people like gonna say? Like, and right now it's just like he just writes these loser characters. But for me, I'm like, I don't want to do like a Richie Rich yeah. character that gets everything he wants. I want to do somebody who's just kind of a dirtbag. Yeah. Well, you write what you're interested you know? in. Yeah, and and that's a lot of that is like growing up in like a, a suburb of a town where everybody I interacted with was like really into the insane clown posse and all this <laughs> you know and like I, I was a skateboarder in yeah. the 90s and stuff so like these are the people that I've like internalized yeah and when I write a character they're the people that I think of like oh I could do somebody like that and so if I can do it better than somebody else then I'm gonna do it yeah I think you gotta write what you're interested in there's a, yeah. it's like early on you don't know what your stories are gonna be and you start you think you could be you could write about anything Right. I remember when I started out, I thought like you know I'll probably later I'll do some kind of a romance story or yeah, maybe yeah. I'll do a big multi generational story or something. But then you realize like those stories didn't happen because that's not what you're interested in. Right. And eventually you realize like don't fight who you are. It's that's true. the real stuff. Yeah. I, I mean you can I'm, push yourself. I mean you yeah. can say suddenly like okay I'm going to do that big science fiction story or whatever. Yeah. But I still to tell you the truth the three source science fiction stories I have. I'm not sure anybody would be at least a bit surprised to read them. They're still just stories about, like, a guy by himself and a bunch of lonely stuff. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. like it's so typical of what I do anyway. The only difference is, is it's got a genre a genre twist. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, so you still do what you do. Well, sci-fi is kind yeah. of like that. Like, it can really be boiled down just as specific. Like, yeah. This is just, you know, someone having their own existential crisis of yeah. time and space. Yeah. It's just it's, it's after the apocalypse. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's I, what I thought was great about Dan's story, is that it was a total Dan story, mm -hmm. but it also, like, was a little more pumped up than usual for a Dan story. That's I true. loved how angry the book was. Yeah. I think that was my first response when I finished reading it. I was like, boy, Dan's angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, do you ever want to do something like, like, I when I moved back here to Columbus, I came with, like, no books. All my books yeah. are in Denver, and I have no okay. idea how I'm going to get them. So I basically yeah. was like... All right, what are, like, my favorite, like, must-have books that always inspire me sure. and I go back to you all the time? And I, yeah. one of them was uh, It's a Good Life, You Don't Weekend. Well, that's very flattering. Which I appreciate is that. always, I mean, I've read it so many times. It's always inspiring. And then that's after true. I read it, I think, like, well, damn, what else can I read that's like this? But there's not a lot, especially being made today, that's even like that anymore, you know? Well, that's very flattering. I don't know what to make of it because I can't even look at that book. You, you know, can't? No, that book is so old to me. Oh, it's now, amazing, it's un, though. It's unbearable for me to look at. Wow. So it's yeah. been more than 20 years since that book came out then. Oh, yeah. But you would yeah. never do something else like that again? Like just, But now it's like you're older and you... Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure what that means. I don't know. It's like I've got a, I'm on a path now and it's like I know what the next books will be. Mm -hmm. Like I know... It's like... It's... All it's about is like, um, I guess what it's all, 
this is the funny part about it. All it's about is like um, trying to transmit some experience of what I feel like to be alive. That's the most common answer you can give as right. being an artist. But yeah. more and more, I feel like it gets more and more pared down where I literally want to just say, like, this is what I think and what I feel. Even if I was to do it in a fictional, highly structured narrative, it's yeah. like there's some quality of being alive that you're constantly harping on in a way. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's not that you're harping on it. Maybe it's that you want people to understand it, but you can never find a way to transmit that information to anyone. Yeah. One thing I'm wondering about is with the with you know that big book finally being done with Clyde. Yeah. Fans, is um, do you have a a change relationship creatively with what you're making? Because I mean, yeah. it's a lot of work to that. It was a laborious process. Yeah. And uh, more recently, you've been doing like the stamp comics. Yeah. Uh, and really, like, getting more into an abstract. Approach. Yeah, I'm less interested in drawing than I ever used to be. So, like, finish this off. The book is going to be wildly inconsistent. Like, the yeah. first chapter and the last chapter won't look the least bit alike. And I'm not going to even make an attempt to resolve that issue. I mean, I may go back and add a page or two to some earlier chapters, and literally I probably will trace earlier work or something to make it look right. the same for those... But I, I would say that, like, um, at the end of this book, as I was, as I'm finishing up the inking, I'm I'm recognizing that I draw in a very different way, mm-hmm. and I'm much more confident in how I draw now, and I'm happier that it's not so much about drawing. It's almost all like I'm very concerned with just shapes now. Yeah, yeah. It's like I feel like I, the next comic might just be like black shapes on the page or That's, something. What is it with you guys? Why do you guys all turn into that? <laughs> like Ivan, yeah. you know, and Chris yeah. is kind of similar. It's like you guys yeah. just like suddenly turn into, like, the form is what's important, yeah. and and that's, like, what it interests you more than anything else, you know? Well, it's funny. I think you start out drawing because you, um, I mean, comics is a drawing medium. You yeah. grow up and you, like, imitate the people that you were interested in how they drew. But as time goes on, you start to recognize, really, what you're more interested in is how the story's told. Right. The drawing becomes a pain in the ass. I don't want to sit around all day, like, I, I was thinking my biggest shift in the last couple of years is I've shifted from drawing mostly a three-quarter view to a dead-on shot. So yeah. before, if I was to draw a building, I would almost always draw it, like, on the corner. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Now it's almost always, like, dead-on. <laughs> Everything's dead-on. It's so flat. But there's something more appealing about it being flat. It's almost like it's more honest or something. Really? Yeah, I feel like everything else is, like, um, trying to show off. It's like, <laughs> like how much depth you can get into the picture or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something about it that's as simple as saying, like, um, I want it to be. I want to cut out so much of the pretension that yeah. I'm dealing with. Did you ever see those things? I mean, I knew this uh, guy who was like an illustrator, and he had these basically grids of perspectives that you could okay. light box, yeah, just to make sure you had the right perspective. And I was like, well, that's cheating. I remember. Yeah. And I, I've never done anything yeah. that was the correct perspective, you know, ever. Yeah. I but still use perspective, but I don't, you don't know use if I those. use it correctly. Yeah. I, like, I, I set up. You know, vanishing points and stuff, and oh, I will use it. But, but they're the vanishing points are determined to make the drawing look right, not to be right. Right, that's so interesting. Like, yeah, because if you set up the correct vanishing points, often the drawing looks weird. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Someone had pointed out that in Mobius's work. Yeah. And now I can't not see that. What is in Mobius's work? Any it's, Mobius drawing, yeah. it's all center oh, really? vanishing yeah. point. Yeah. And it's everything is lined up. Oh, no. That's I remember <laughs> learning a, a perspective, and I remember my first drawings in perspective, everything is so lined up that it's like if you lived in an apartment like that, that meant you said every piece of your furniture into perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like you have to learn, like, wait a minute, that's not how my room works. Did you go to art school or not? Oh, yeah. yeah. I went to three years or two and a half, something like that. I dropped out from art school. Oh, okay. I was very confused in art school. I um, I came there like from a small town to Toronto, and I wanted to draw comics. So in about 1980, there was like not a path to do that. And I went to the school, and um, they kind of told me I should go into the commercial design department. So that's oh, where right. I went. And that was just a lot of like learning illustration and typography. And, oh, that's great. It served you know. well. Well, I didn't know what I was doing, to tell you the truth. I was too yeah. young. I can remember how that stuff didn't sink in. I did not learn a lot in art school. Huh. The most valuable part of being in art school was meeting the other students. 
because they were a lot of them were like smarter than you, or they were more sophisticated. Like um, all I knew was comics. Mm -hmm. I came to art school, and I, I mean, I knew the basics that you know anybody knows who knows nothing about art. You still knew who Picasso was, but right. but like I didn't have a grounding in art history, and I didn't know anything about contemporary art. And then you'd meet other people who were your age mm -hmm. and uh, who were like much more interested in like. Well, I was interested in genre crap, so it's like you meet somebody who wants to do like you know experimental art or something that really opens up your mind. Yeah. Or they take start taking you to see Fellini, mm -hmm. or you start you know they tell you like oh you should read this Camus book. Right. That was all the stuff that like was valuable. The yeah. actual classes, it's like all that learning how to put letters letter set down or whatever that didn't really. Stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I, I was at a Center for Cartoon Studies last year, oh yeah, and yeah. I, I didn't go to any. I, I sat in on Jason Lutz's class once. I was like, oh, what's okay. this like? And it was like all about making comics. And I was just like, I can't be in this. I don't want to. I don't want anybody else's information about how yeah. this should be done in my head. So I only started going to Stephen Bissett's class, which was basically that. Like, let me turn you on to a lot yeah. of really interesting stuff. And that was more helpful to me than like anything else. Like I, I think that's how you learn. Yeah, you learn by it's like you learn by having your horizons expanded and by imitating. Yeah. you don't learn. I, I, I'm glad I never got any classes in how to draw comics because probably would have just confused me. Yeah, it, it's really much better to say like oh, to be young and say like, oh, I wish I could draw like Jaime Hernandez, <laughs> and then you like suffer along trying to do it, and you're like trying to draw like Jaime, and you're trying to draw like Crumb, and you're trying to draw yes. like Edward Gorey. And yeah. somehow out of that, you know what? You start doing your own work. When I first started doing comics, yeah. the big thing was uh, Scott McCloud's book, oh, yeah, Comics yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like, and I read that stuff, and it was paralyzing to me because yeah, I was like, I can't. Yeah. I guess I can't be a cartoonist. Like, this yeah. is all this stuff I should know and be thinking about. And like, yeah. I just wanted to draw comics. And then, yeah, <laughs> and like, no, it's bad. It's bad it for you. me out. And, and that book yeah. came out. I like Scott McCloud. He's a nice guy, but I would have, I would have forbid that book to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, I think that did more harm than anything that ever, yeah, we're, more harm than Will Eisner ever did because nobody ever read those books. I know, yeah. They're terrible. They look awful, too. They're oh, really, yeah. Oh, they're hilarious. Incredibly handy. <laughs> they're really that, uh, that uh, Hamlet on a Rooftop, yeah. have you ever seen that? That is like, it's this the, ha oh my God. What is that one? That's where he hippie. shows, he shows, uh, Eisner works out like Hamlet's soliloquy yeah. on a rooftop with like a hippie. Okay. It's about 1975, and it is oh, no. the most maudlin, horrible thing ever. Seen. <laughs> he was probably going for like a really hip yeah. thing, right? Oh but yeah, it's like, like, you know, you know Eisner. Every yeah. every arm in the air, every like, yeah. oh, it's so over the top. Yes, it hurts Stephen. That is a problem with his work yeah. that I have. I I know. In fact, I don't think anybody from my generation really reveres him at all. Like Eisner's not aged well. It's yeah. sad. No. Actually, you know, the funny thing is, I always felt bad for Eisner because. Um, all that spirit work is easier to read than like all his later real work. The yeah. real work is like it's so mannered and and twee that it's yeah, like you sure. can't read it. It's sad, but I yeah. mean, he was trying real hard, but that stuff just is not going to last. No, yeah, and it's like here's a graphic novel, and he's saying, "I'm like, you did two drawings on this page, and like most of it's yeah. like text, and like you really just spread out this thing. It yeah. could have been like a 24 page comic book or something, you know." I wanted to like that stuff. I read all those books when yeah. they came out. And well, you I had nothing I, else at the time. Yeah, though. no, you would check it out. Well. <laughs> yeah. 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 What else? What mouse wasn't even out at the time? Was it? Mouse was coming out in in um, oh, serialized and like form. Raw and yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And um, wow. there was always something at the store. You know, when you'd go to the comic shop back in those days, you would buy anything that looked interesting. Yeah. I've heard so it'd that. be like you'd be like, um, oh, what's this um, beatnik comic? Thing yeah. from slave labor. So yeah, you were like, buying oh, all the like milk yeah. and cheese, like Evan Dorkin no, stuff. I never right? milk was that a little cheese, after? No. no, it was going on. I just wasn't that interested okay. in milk and cheese. Um, yeah, John John Porcelino has this thing about like how there were so many like Generation X slacker comics where it's like here's well, there was literally thing. a comic called Slacker Comics. Oh, was it yeah. really? Oh, I well, think there was. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it was just yeah. like the I guess like uh, minimum wage or something or yeah. And uh, I never read that either, Edgar actually, Baker's Low Life yeah. and all this stuff. And yeah, no, I read Low Life. <laughs> and if you were like a part of that generation, you're just like, all right, enough of this. You're just yeah. like trying to sell us ourselves or something. In the uh, you know, you were so desperate for any comics that like, especially anthologies. You'd buy any anthology uh, because there might be two pages in there that was really good. Yeah. So but I like, bought what was every good... one. I bought every one of those Fantagraphics anthologies, whatever they were, centrifugal, like the bumblepoppy, or. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, New Comics. I remember that. That was a terrible book, but it had a couple of good pages in it. A lot of it was terrible stuff, but, you know, it's funny. 
you, it's like the good stuff, the few good things stuck in your mind. I can still dredge up strips that I remember like really enjoy. I was talking to Carol Tyler last night and I was saying to her about the strips she had in Weirdo. I remember those strips real well. I remember yeah. the names of them. They were yeah. good works. Um, they were a lot different, weren't they? They were like really warmer. There was like one where she just went to like her, somebody's house for dinner or something and it's just like, about the men like talking. Yeah, to each yeah, other. it's called Saturday Night and Sunday. Yeah, Monday. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's, it's a just really like, good strip. You like you think about like the time that came out, and that yeah. must have been really jarring. Yeah. Was, oh no, that's good stuff. I mean, think of that's around the time of Uncle Bob's Midlife Crisis. Oh great. That was like those were strips where you, you read those and you said, "This is what like somebody's trying to like actually capture real life in a comic strip," and there yeah. hadn't been much of it. Crumb mm-hmm. was probably one of the best people for that. I remember a strip that Chet and I used to talk about back from the 70s, what was it? I can't remember the name, it was called Kansas City Blues, mm. where two guys like just sit around in a room for like three pages talking yeah. about like, you know, the new records coming out and it's like, guy scratching his head and it says scratch, scratch, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh yeah, I gotta get a job, I wonder if I can get a, in that band again. It's like so low key. Yeah. You were like, there's, that was even in, a, in in that period where Crumb was doing all that, like you know, really over the top stuff. Yeah, it was really like you're like, wow, this really stands out because it's so mundane. Right. And then you saw like you, that was exciting in the '80s because, or you see that work when you were young because you were like, there's a whole direction that comics have never pursued. Right. Yeah. They well, never had the space to have people yeah. just sit around doing nothing. What would have inspired that from you think, Picar? Picar, you think? Well, maybe he might have been working with Picar at that point. It's true. That early Picar stuff was super inspiring that he did with Crumb for that very same reason. It's Just that, like, talking with Mr. Boats or whatever. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's a But I don't know. That strip might have been earlier than Picar. I'm not sure. I'd have to look into it. Yeah. That's why Crumb rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's why he's so great. Yeah. How do you, uh, this is an interesting point. We were talking earlier about how the drawing doesn't matter, but you know what? When Crumb drew the strips, they were better. Yeah. It's like I like sure. I like Shamray or whatever, but yeah, it's like are, yeah. yeah. But when Crumb drew the strips, it's like they came to life. Yeah, and I it's like it might have been that Harvey was writing them more towards Crumb's sensibility, but right. I think it's just that sometimes like Crumb was you know it's like he's a great artist. Okay. It's the same reason why if you were reading Ant Man in the early '60s and Kirby came on for two issues, they were better than Don Heck. Right. Yeah. It's like there was a vitality to the work that shined through that made the material come to life. Kim Deitch said something to me once about Crumb's work where he says, like, his sketchbook's like, if Crumb draws a teacup, that teacup has a soul. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good because it's like, it's Crumb's soul. Yeah. Yeah. And American Splendor, I think, is a a really good comic because you can read it for whatever era you are in your life. Like, right now, I think the greatest greatest, um, American Splendor comics are before he meets Joyce. Yeah, where, oh, I agree. But uh, but I think maybe after I get married and I'm a little older and I'm like, I'll like those or something. No, 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 you won't. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I just don't. I, I really relate yeah. to the ones where he's just walking around. Yeah. Even the Shamray stuff where he's just walking around yeah. in a park, like ranting to himself yeah. about getting older or whatever. That's really inspiring work to me. You know. Yeah, I think that, that stuff's more vital because, um, and this is an interesting point: is loneliness is more interesting than uh, than. Um, not more interesting than marriage, but it's more interesting than when... How do I even put this? I feel like those later strips are censored. He's mm. not speaking as honestly. Yeah, and I in the early that. strips, he's got nothing to lose by saying whatever he's thinking, and I do tend to think like the, the later strips feel a little bit more like he's got to watch more carefully what he's saying. I think you're right about that. And those early strips are, have a lot of loneliness in them. Is part loneliness of that, is powerful. Is yeah. part of that coming with fame? No, I think it's being married. You've got to watch what you say around your wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I actually think, though, that they're that early... It's like, it's funny, you know, when you're single, you get very brave. Suddenly mm. you can say yeah. anything about That's yourself. Yeah. And then, like, six months later, when you're involved, you're like, I really shouldn't have written that. Yeah. Because now I'd say, that's in print. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. all... But, I mean, I, I have to watch what I say sometimes because yeah. I'm from a big family and I really don't want to upset yeah. them. If I do anything from my childhood... Don't you have, like, a weird background? I, I was raised Mormon. Yeah. And, so, and I, I really so. want to do a story about that stuff, like leaving yeah. the church and everything, but I, I can't really do that until people die, you know? It helps when they die, for being honest. My parents yeah. are both dead now, and I feel like I can say anything about that now. Yeah. It's like, I felt, um, my mother was, like, for a long time had dementia, so she was already out of the game. I could have spoken honestly about her, but my father only died a couple of years ago, and now... Uh, I've been I writing this I'm memoir. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, he was 97, so he oh, had a okay. long he, life. Yeah, but, well, that's um, good. But you know, I've, it's like um, 
you're very, you're, it's it's a sensitive thing to talk about this sort of stuff, and you want to talk about it. Though. Yeah, I really it's do. Like that stuff. It would be important. therapeutic to work through that stuff yeah. on the page, but at this point, I just can't do it. And I have to wait. Yeah. And also, I think that would be like a really good book to do, but you know, I couldn't do it honestly. I've got stuff I can't write about now, not just yeah. because people are alive, but because not enough time has passed, too. Yeah, that's true, too. You have to wait. Your yeah. opinion on it might shift. Yeah. I mean, this memoir I'm working on, Nothing Lasts, is going to end when I'm about 30. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens between 30 and 50, but I'm not ready to write about that yet. I'm not sure what I think about a lot of that stuff. It's hmm. hard to say. Is part of that coming with being married and those relationships and kind of how that ties into who you are? No, I now. think maybe I'm protecting some people from the past, one. But I also think I'm like I'm still angry about some stuff right. that I haven't worked through. I don't know what I think about it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of secrets in that period, too, that I'm not ready to... I have to wait for some things. This come, sounds mysterious, but some things have to resolve themselves before you're, you're, you know what they mean. Mm-hmm. That sounds far too mysterious. But let's just say that some stuff, yeah, some stuff's not done. And from an outsider perspective, it seems like you're working more in sketchbooks now than you than you ever have, really. I mean, yeah. everything I mean, that comes out yeah. seems like it was like another sketchbook comedy. I, f- I feel like I enjoy that a lot more. I don't really like making finished art that much anymore. Yeah. I like the idea of like, you know, just of like letting yourself off the hook a bit so mm-hmm. that you can, um, I mean, comics was fun when I was a teenager. And then, like, um, it's not that much fun when you're putting, like... Well, I guess it's always a dichotomy. I got There's two things. There's one, you want to do the work that's fun, and it's, like, it's easier and looser. But then you also think you would like to do some work that is your full effort. Right. Where you've put, uh, so I think that I'll probably continue to do both. Yeah, do you have to destroy the sketchbooks, though, when you make the when you scan in all the artwork and stuff? You know, what's funny is this is what happens. It's a funny pattern. It's completely artificial. I start the strip in a sketchbook. So I do the first 40 pages in the sketchbook. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'll publish this. And then we scan that, and we print it. And then after that, I'm like, well, it's no point doing it in Sketchbook. Yeah. So I just pull out some similar paper and do them on individual sheets yeah, as, yeah, ex- yeah. as if it was in the Sketchbook. You created a little template for yourself? Yeah, exactly. I did that, yeah. too. I, I uh, For some of my books, I do them in Sketchbooks, and I yeah. just took a, uh, a thicker piece of cardstock and, and cut out a little template, and yeah. I just lay it down and roll it out. Yeah, and then exactly. The same, there so you go. All the same dimensions. But, like, yeah, it's always really hard to scan it without getting that shadow on the yeah. end. Yeah. You know, that's always been a problem for me. The sketchbook is a great lie because the yeah. sketchbook is like allows you to do work that isn't meant for publication, even though you probably you think probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Will be eventually. But it gives you it lets you off the hook so that you can yeah. think like I'll just do this for myself. Did you see yeah. Noah's uh, someone published two books and they're just straight up sketchbooks? Yeah, they did. They're yeah. just facsimiles yeah. of the yeah. and those are beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's, no, yeah. I really like that stuff. I do. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> the look on Noah's yeah, face right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do, um, you know, like, a, at some point I want to have Fantagraphics collect really nice versions of them, but that's, yeah. like, 20 years from now or something, you know? Uh, well, you're doing a lot of work, so you can have some like a good, big, fat, complete collection. Well, I want one that people would actually be interested in buying, where I'm, like, I have some kind of, like, legacy behind me before I'm, like, here's the behind-the-scenes stuff, because yeah. at this point, you know... It's not like a demand for my sketchbook work or something, you know. Well, it's a funny world right now. I feel like everybody's putting out all the behind-the-scenes stuff because everything's online every day. I know, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of funny that um, you, you're like so involved with artist process now where you never would have been before. Yeah. I, it, actually, I think it's almost like um, I worry that it will kill people's interest in your work if you give them too much to see all the time. It doesn't, though. It doesn't. Like, yeah. I'm hanging out with Brandon Graham, and he's very open about his process. Yeah. He'll post pages. Absolutely. And That's people love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess you got to keep people interested. I don't know. Yeah. Is that what it's about? Well, you because people... Every hour? The, you know, the, the culture changed so much where yeah. it's all like a... It's a, the newsfeed culture or whatever, you know, yeah. where it's just like all Facebook stuff. Yeah. So people's attention spans are so short that you kind of almost have to be in their lives all the time, yeah. otherwise they won't think about you at all, you know? Yeah, it's it's pretty true of, like, the what have you done for me lately is very yeah. strong. Yeah. The f- one of the funny things is uh, right now, Chester, I don't know if you're following his um, Patreon. I'm not following it, no. It, but <laughs> it's the, the art, that, I mean, there's a lot of very personal posts, which is amazingly TMI, but the art process stuff is amazing, and he's just doing, like, looking at one panel yeah. from Ed the Happy Clown, you know, a comic that came out yeah. 30-odd years ago, 
but it's still really fascinating. It's still yeah. really vital to me. It's like here's you know, four parts to this of how yeah. this one panel is put together. And ever people are loving it, just yeah. seeing where it goes. Well, I'm sure when Chester is buried, there'll be some footnotes on it. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. he's been, like, writing footnotes to everything now. Yeah. I think he's more interested in the footnotes than he is in doing the comics. But but I do, I have to admit, I like these footnotes, too. I yeah. find it pretty interesting when he talks about stuff. But Chet's pretty good at, like, digging out why something is interesting. He's got an eccentric point of view on everything, and it's, yeah, I appreciate it. I've never really realized just how um, his observations are so specific in things. Because he seemed to me, through yeah. being a you know quote unquote comic journalist, quite reserved in a lot of ways. and never really open yeah. in that way that he would be with you or with Noah. No, he doesn't. I can never even tell if he likes me. To be honest with you, <laughs> well, it took me a long time too. Yeah, to figure out. but he likes everybody, so you yeah. don't have to worry about it. He's very sweet. Yeah, um, but the posts—they're—they're they're so journaly, yeah. just like everything is out there, and it's really yeah. interesting, like to see right into someone's head. Oh yeah, well, Chet doesn't know how weird he is. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> he really doesn't. It's funny. I think that I mean, and I think he's much less weird than he used to be. I think that over the years, he's become very—he's um, a very garrulous person. It's like when we do a signing, he's talking more than I am now. Wow. He's very, uh, very giving to the people when he comes up, and but he is an oddball character. I mean, I've, even yeah. just the other day, somebody said to me like that they were talking to him and they they were they thought he was so strange, <laughs> and I thought he doesn't read strange to me anymore. I know his opinions are strange. Chris Ware told me the story, and I want to ask if it's true. Yeah. Or not. He told okay. me there was this one time you guys were out to dinner. It was he said it was you, him, and Chester Brown, I think. Okay, and you guys were having a serious conversation yeah. about comics, you know. Yeah, and the waitress was like. You guys scientists? <laughs> I don't even remember this. Oh, no. okay. Yeah, it could be true. Sure. She just sees these yeah. three weirdos talking yeah. really intensely about something. She just assumes yeah. they're scientists. Well, we probably had <laughs> glasses on. <laughs> yeah. 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 It seems entirely plausible. It surprise me. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, as we're talking, I realize the... Library we're in. Is it doesn't close till. Is it closing up? It doesn't close till nine, doesn't it? Or no, no I think announced. it closes at six. So oh, think, all right. I think we're in the last. Yeah, we've just passed the bar or something. I see yeah. a guy with a Captain America shield walking out. Uh, he's just <laughs> so, gonna push yeah. us straight down the stairs. Yeah. Um, this has been really fun, though. I, I wish we got to this earlier. Yeah, I'm sorry. I hogged up the. I feel like I. No, oh, actually, no, no, this is what made it. It's a good it's conversation. Fun. I love I the dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Seth's asking you questions. You're asking Seth questions. So Seth, congratulations on Clive fans. Thank you very much. And we'll see it in the in spring. The, in the spring. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll be at TCAF and I will. Other always things. at TCAF. Yeah. It's a second home. And Noah, you have a book every six months. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks.